0: maps are simply answers to questions and so you know historically maps have been produced in different abstractions um, to answer specific questions so you know i don't know a a tube map um, is the answer to uh, many questions how do i get to a to b using a particular transport network and
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. Today I'm talking to Misha and Misha is the co-founder of FatMap and he's building a platform and a community based around mapping the outdoors. I really hope you enjoy the interview. Misha, I really want to thank you for taking the time to do this interview with me and the reason I reached out to you is because you're doing something really interesting with mapping. Now, to the untrained eye, it looks like you've built the Google Street View for for the outdoors, for for mountain sports. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Where it all began was um, sitting in a tent, um, probably ten, nearly
0: ten years ago, uh, in the mountains in Turkey, in the middle of a storm um, that went on for actually nearly seven days. And in that time, uh, my co-founder Dave and I had a lot to talk about. Um, you know, one of the things we got talking about was how. Uh, mapping has just kind of completely changed in our urban lives we 've got kind of syn globalized platforms um, that kind of dynamic contextual real time for every decision uh, in our urban lives and in an outdoor context like we was that nothing had really involved We'd, we still kind of had many different places to piece together information and um, yeah this this was really the, the that 's from that spark like following um, that insight and trying to solve that problem
1: yeah i guess that's pretty understandable too like more and more people are being concentrated in urban environments so where more people are there's more data being collected there's more interest and more focus and probably more people willing to sort of throw resources throw money after after those areas and sort of like make dedicated apps towards them or improve the 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 mapping data the mapping systems we have that support those areas so i completely understand that but you're right i mean there's there's a lot of people using the outdoors, so why not make something for them?
0: Yeah, we think um, you know. Actually, there's more and more people um, placing a bigger and bigger importance on spending time outdoors. You know, one of the other insights we had was that this, the 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 the, the pastime of going outdoors used to be something uh, that only was done by hardcore enthusiasts. But really, I think now more and more people are looking for these experiences, and they're becoming much mainstream. and The, the tools haven't evolved um, to help make that easier and safer for people. So. That's, that's really what FatMaps is all about.
1: Now, when I log on to FatMaps or, or come to the website, I see a lot of different things. And it feels very much like a platform. It feels like, well, I can make a profile, I can create guidebooks, and I can share my adventures. And then I also have a section where I just come into a map, and I can zoom into different areas in the world. And uh, I come from New Zealand, so I zoomed into Mount Cook, which is the highest mountain in New Zealand. And immediately I could see trails that other people have walked uh, things that they've skied down climbing routes. And I can click on that and sort of see what they've done. And then I can add a whole bunch of extra information. I can add weather information and, and snowpack conditions. And there's also a lot of terrain information available there. It's, it feels like a, a GIS for, for the outdoors.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I guess in many ways that's, that's, that's what it is from a technology perspective. Um, you know, we, I, didn't really stop my my life in mapping, but um, really saw a problem that needed to be solved from a user perspective. That that just was um, very hard to get the right information and to make better decisions when when going outdoors. Um, and fundamentally, like our, our wider ambition is to build the single destination um, that anyone can go to when they want to spend time outdoors, To whether that's to discover new places to go or, um, you know, their next adventure they want to uh, go on, um, to plan like in detail um, to, to, to and then to, to kind of navigate when you're on the trail and make decisions and then also to kind of relive and, and, and tell your story. And so really building a, a whole community um, of, of people who make it easier
1: and safer to go outdoors and 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 enjoy nature and i think that that social aspect is really really important definitely and the idea of creating a community around that like yeah very good idea and a very important aspect if you're going to spread this idea and get it to get it to grow and get it to develop but i think the people that are listening to this podcast they'll be particularly interested in like the data that you use Where, where does this where does this data come from
0: yeah, so I mean, uh, the, the tools that you were talking about there, like essentially what we did was um, we started building out like a model of like the non-urban world. And so that was elevation data. So the, the height of the land um, uh, imagery in different seasons, summer and winter, um, depending on, on what sport you're doing, whether you're a skier or, or a hiker or a biker or or whatever um also uh, reference data so understanding where instead of like streets and businesses like we focus on summits and rivers and valleys and um uh, and the like and so and and trails um and bringing those all together um but on top of that i think the gas uh, element the, the the kind of you you're talking about is we we Turn the whole thing into like what I call a computational map, so um, we can uh, change the abstraction that you are looking at based on what you are trying to solve. So, if you want to see how steep something is, you can turn the whole map into a steepness heat map. If you want to see um, like the orientation to maybe particularly stick to south-facing slopes, if you are a skier or um, or whatever it might be, you can you can do that. So, we have a whole bunch of tools um, that allow you to essentially query the terrain uh, and all of this underlying data um, to get the kind of precise and reliable and accurate information you need for, for adventure. And now we've started to go a little bit further with that. Then rather than just providing a model of the world, we're starting to integrate real-time data. So um, things like uh, snow cover, uh, precipitation, forecasts, um, and 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 uh, avalanche risk for skiers and, and and much, much more that you can overlay into the map.
1: So a lot of people that are working in the geospatial industry will will understand how those sort of calculations take place, you know, how you... Um, how you show uh, elevation in, in, a, in a heat map, for example, and they'll probably have a good understanding of the tools that are involved, and they'll have that sort of classical understanding of, okay, in other GIS systems, in other geographical information systems, the the, the icon looks like this, and I do this, and then I do this, and, and how things work. But your audience is, is quite different. So on one hand, you, you've got that... You're making a, a technical tool, but you have to make it in a way that people will understand how to use it. And these people aren't necessarily trained in, in how geographical information systems work. Um, there, there must have been a few sort of problems around that, I could imagine, And making a tool that, people, uh, <laughs> that that's intuitive for people
0: yeah it's definitely been a challenge you know one of the challenges with um like a platform like ours because it's it's solving many different problems in many different contexts is to keep it simple uh, I think and that's been one of the the hardest things to do uh, I suppose the way we think about uh, mapping is maps are simply answers to questions and so uh, you know historically maps have been are produced in different abstractions um, to answer specific questions. So, you know, I don't know, a a tube map um, is the answer to uh, many questions. How do I get to A to B using a particular transport network? And of course, like um, we're building an outdoor map and typically like you would have had one abstraction in a in a classic topographic map to solve many many problems. So it was an elevation map. It had a distance grid, and it had um, various lots of different reference data. And like there was there was an art and a challenge to providing the right amount of detail, um, but not too much detail, so it was easily readable. Um, so we approached it slightly differently. Was to say because of what we can do with digital data, we can actually show the perfect map that is the perfect answer to. Um, any particular question so rather than i guess asking our users to have a particular technical skill um to use a tool um we were we we focused uh like the interface on solving the problem that we know uh people have in the outdoors so for example skiers uh, care a lot about um uh, for example, uh, in the backcountry, avalanche risk is, is an important thing, and that happens on various different uh, – the gradient is one of the most kind of important factors. And so we built a tool that used an avalanche risk model to overlay it onto the terrain. There's lots of GIS stuff going on in the background um, in terms of the terrain analysis. But from a, from a user's perspective, all they're seeing is a level of risk uh, shown on the terrain to make a kind of real-life decision with
1: yeah i think that's fantastic and definitely not an easy problem to solve because you're hiding everything that's going on in the background from the user and just giving them the answer to the question
0: yeah and you know more and more we're starting to 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 build more and more tools now uh, the community is really coming to life um and and starting to request things for all sorts of different activities you know one of the things we found is that um you know actually what what was useful for skiers actually was also useful for for people doing base jumping and wingsuiting and um so the the we've we seem to have kind of uncovered a whole bunch of ways we can help people from all sorts of activities i
1: was just thinking there um so people are coming into your platform and they're using it as as a reference like what is the avalanche risk for example for this particular area on this particular but in this particular day does that translate into some sort of responsibility for you then as the as the company as the people providing that that uh, risk overview
0: yeah i mean we take obviously the responsibility our responsibility is very seriously you know but one of the core beliefs is that actually going outdoors and one of the enjoyable things about going outdoors is actually taking responsibility for ourselves so um yeah you know, we think a lot about trying to make it easier and safer for people to go outdoors but simply we like from a platform perspective all we're doing is giving people information in order for hopefully them to make better decisions of their own so we'll never tell you if it's safe or dangerous but we'll tell you um perhaps some information that helps you understand the risk better for you to make your own decision
1: yeah yeah and i think probably probably that's that's the only uh, logical approach approach to this kind of thing. Um, one of the interesting things I saw on your map was um, so on the side we you have a few different panels where you can choose different layers to to add, and there was one called custom layers. Uh, does that mean I can upload my own data to it?
0: No, so this is a way you can kind of query the terrain. Um, so it's almost like a query. Yeah, it's a query tool for the terrain. So you might say, okay, I'm, I'm looking for uh, terrain that's uh, no steeper than uh, this on this particular aspect or elevation, um, and and it will actually help you find that kind of terrain. Um, so it was originally built for skiers to find uh, Good snow, um, or avoid risk, and but now we're finding all sorts of applications from uh, ATV drivers using it to find uh, terrain, which uh, which where, where ve- vehicles are capable of going on, and um, so it's uh, it's it's really a tool that you can use to find the terrain that suits
1: your sport or activity. I just want to go back to to what you said before. You talked a little bit about real time data, so I'm assuming one example, real-time data that I could see would be very useful for this and is already integrated in the system would be weather data. Uh, do you have any other examples of real-time data that you that you use in the system?
0: Uh, so one of the things we built uh, was, for example, real-time snow cover. So uh, it currently covers in North Europe and North America. So you can see in real-time uh, what the snow line is uh, and it's daily updated. Uh, you can also see what the... Um, forward-looking three-day forecast is uh, for new precipitation and the the um, layer at which that turns to snow for example um, we're starting to in- also do integration um, with actual reference data objects so for example um, you have often uh, lifts within a particular resort um, so cable cars etc and um, we show them on the map but we're also integrating them with live data feed so you'll, you'll be able to see if they're running or not for example
1: it, like obviously with, with lift data that's something that you don't generate yourself but something like snow cover for example do you have a, a model running in the background that's constantly updating snow cover on a on over these big ge- geographic areas or is this data that you're uh, taking from somewhere else that you're integrating into the system
0: yeah, in many cases, we're typically aggregating data from many different places. We, we think of like, you know, maps are only as good as they are accurate. And so, uh, you know, one of the things we've tried to do is always use the best data sources. So we used to care a lot about how um, the resolution of terrain data, but the same applies to the live data. We go and aggregate the best providers of the data um, in different local locations and actually produce a single global map for that. And that's true of all, all our data sets.
1: And I think that's very typical of people looking to to do work in, in in the web mapping web mapping space, because I mean, firstly, that's a huge data uh, volumes that they'd have to uh, save and update and maintain themselves. So it's much easier to integrate. But then very quickly, you run into a problem, okay, well, if this third party data source you know, if that has an error, or if that uh, is unavailable, or the server is down, then it's my system that looks broken to the user. Is this something that you've run into before?
0: Uh, yeah, and I guess we, we've built the platform around that with uh, lots of uh, kind of redundancy in certain areas, and then also um, essentially, you know, the biggest piece of software development we've done is building the underlying platform, and that aggregates thousands and thousands of different data sources of different types. Normalize, normalizes them all into a single uh, set of standards um, then creates like all of the tiling and everything that we need to kind of provide them uh, at all different resolutions um, and uh, and of course then there's a the whole function of time on top of that so you know we take care to to but where our data sources are coming from and the quality and the accuracy are, are, are super important you know that's the Interesting thing about particularly outdoor mapping is that um, you're, you're typically making decisions at a very local level. And so the maps that we produce, whilst we strive for or we have global coverage, um, the, the user experience is only as good as the information they got at a hyper-local level on the problem they were trying to solve on that day in that moment.
1: Yeah, I think we've probably talked a little bit about this before, but but use cases, obviously for planning a trip into the mountains, I, I can see that, or a ski trip, but have there been any use cases of FatMap that have really surprised you?
0: Yeah, um, you know, I, I think what we uncovered was, so we the first product we ever built was um, like what I call our Tesla Roadster. It was a very niche product for um People to find and follow uh, off-piste ski lines and 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 uh, backcountry ski tours, um, and it was a very local product. And and but we kind of uncovered that this solved a problem that that wasn't really addressed by the existing tools. And then we spent really the last kind of two or three years building that out into a single global coverage. So taking the value that that gave at a local level and building a global map. Um, And as we started to build out more activities, so skiing, hiking, mountain biking, trail running, we started to get more and more requests for more and more activities. And what we really uncovered was that um, there were applications of people using it for sea kayaking or even sailing to create and share routes. Uh, You know, we we saw... uh, We've seen applications in uh, people working in kind of wilderness areas and and using it actually to share locations um, because that just didn't exist before. So, uh, you know, in many ways what we've built is the the single global map for everything uh, and everywhere uh, and all activities that happen off road, off the beaten track.
1: Obviously, that that uh, idea of community is really important, and we've we've seen over the last. 10 years now the explosion of social media people love to share things and uh people are also really passionate about what they do outside their their activities their hobbies the their adventures that they go on are you building a social media for the outdoors yeah, we,
0: we, we're certainly building a community um and you know we want to build a tool and and in many ways you know our, our um our most engaged members join uh, essentially a club, which is uh, Explore, which is a, our, our premium product with all the real-time data and um, benefits from kind of partners across the industry. Um, and there is a social component to it, but we don't really think of it um, first and foremost as a social network.
1: I we, we haven't talked about it yet, or at least not in any depth, but you also have uh, mobile applications for Apple and, and Android. Um now, a lot of people say that we're moving towards a mobile first world. And some people even go a step further and say we're moving towards a mobile only world. And recently I had an experience of this myself, taking a mobile device into the outdoors. I was back in New Zealand and was away on a sort of exploring mountaineering trip in the mountains for, for two weeks. And instead of taking a GPS with us, we, we had a few paper maps, of course, but we also had a, uh, a mobile phone. And that phone had an app on it that we brought for about two dollars, and it had all of the topographical maps for New Zealand on it. It had amazing battery life, and it's simply and a great screen, you know, crystal clear resolution. It did everything that we needed. With these mobile apps that you're building, can you take this data offline? Can I? Can I have the same functionality out in the wilderness as what I have on the website?
0: Of co- yeah, of course. And so that's um, also the so essentially by joining Explore or a kind of club, um, you. We say it makes you ready for any adventure, and essentially enables you to take all of that data offline anywhere in the world. You can choose your location. All of the tools that we talked about, the kind of abstractions, the whole toolkit, the kind of the, the, all of those things that the GIS world maybe have been using in terms of data analysis uh, and abstractions uh, in the past. Now is it is therefore in your pocket, um, and of, of course all of the real time data um, tools as well. So long as of course they were updated during your your last piece of connectivity and we're seeing more and more people doing what you describe like mobile phones are becoming you know they're essentially com- pocket computers and um they're becoming very reliable even in extreme environments there are models that are specifically built for that the batteries are very very, very reliable now the positioning is very good um and um and and you can obviously now build Get a whole bunch of stuff, including solar chargers uh, and connectivity devices, to to make it, yeah, a completely reliable and useful tool um, when you're when you're way off the grid.
1: Yeah, and I think too, in terms of data collection. You know, you're going to be able to do so much more with uh, with a with a phone app, with an app on your phone. I should say, in the outdoors. You know, I could envision a time where you could save pictures and and upload them to to your system. For example, with a geotag, where you could have also have other sensors plugged into your phone. You could be collecting a whole bunch of different information. Maybe you could have streaming, like a uh, probably in the outdoors is a bit hard to get connection, but eventually perhaps we could stream directly to your system. You know, and and that's all valuable information. That would be real-time updates coming into your system. Could you envision a world where, or a time where, FatMaps maps could uh, accommodate something like that?
0: Yeah, I mean, essentially, that's that's very much what we're building. We're building a single platform to pull to bring together all of the information uh, that exists uh, in the outdoors, both uh, you know, actual and real time. Um, we very much see that as a community platform, um, and. You, we we want it to serve the needs of the community. Um, actually, you know, what do you describe it? But kind of around mobile devices. You know, many when we were building the first product, one of the things we did was take it to uh, Southeast Greenland on a on an expedition to go and uh, climb and, and ski new routes there. And you know, there was really the last map of that area had been made in 1954 at a scale of around 1 to 250,000. So, you know, in, in adventure terms, it was a bit like going to try and, uh, you know, using a road atlas to, to explore a kind of wilderness. And, um, you know, it, it, when we got there, like what what we did was use the platform to kind of, pull in the local information that we were learning from, from the people who live and, and work there, uh, and the local Greenlandics and, and where the kind of huts were and what the safe passage routes were. And we were able to put all of that in, um, to, to, um, FatMap, map and, and therefore essentially have that when we were off kind of on, on the adventure. So, um, you know, the, the idea is now that people can also share those things with, with one another. I guess make it easier and safer and I, I think there's an there's another important point there because what what that ultimately gave rise to was well, you know do we really should we really encourage more people to go to these places um and and what's the responsibility there and so that when you mention social networks, you know one of the key differences that we we believe is that what, if you look at how most of the existing social networks work is they typically reinforce um the, the visibility of content, the the more it's accessed. And so you get these kind of positive flywheels where the more a piece of content gets viewed, the more views it's encouraged to have. Um, and we're actually starting to see a lot of problems in the outdoors where, where basically a small number of places are actually becoming overrun as the popularity increases, but the the tools and the platforms and the information available for people to discover these places is, is still very limited. And so we we're building the um, our whole architecture and our whole data architecture in a very specific way that allows people to, A, share privately uh, rather than just publicly, but also understand the impact we're having on working with local organizations to limit the visibility of certain things and try to spread people out across you know more places rather than concentrate everyone into just the most popular places. And our hope is that by encouraging more people to go and spend time and essentially increase the economic value of like wild places across the world in a sustainable way, we can actually help contribute to their protection um, rather than just using them for, for our enjoyment.
1: I think that's a really interesting uh, really interesting approach. I love the idea that you talked about that flywheel there you're reinforcing that that you know if it gets lots of shares and likes that they'll show up to more people on social media and what you're talking about is is more of a sort of push pull. You're going to try encourage people to get out there by giving them these great tools and showing them more things and making it easier for them but at the same time you're going to have something built into the system where you're going to try and distribute these people. Out to, to different areas uh, and working with with local councils, I think that's brilliant. That's a that's a really um a really really interesting approach to things.
0: Yeah, we think it's a win win because um you know ultimately no one wants to stand in a queue for, for with 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 a thousand other people just to, to go and see a viewpoint. Like I think um, most people enjoy uh, the outdoors because it's 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 wild and um, they can disconnect from uh, perhaps like the you know, the 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 busyness of their daily lives. And so we we like that it kind of should improve the experience for people whilst also helping to to protect those natural landscapes, um, you know, and, and also there's a, there's a, there's an element that um, you know the outdoor economy is growing uh, very fast. More and more people want to access it, and we want to enable those local economies. We want to enable the businesses, the the local guides, um, to to find their customers. There's no no platform out there today that allows them to do that um, properly.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, not not that I've seen anyway. Hey, um, I just have a few more questions before you let you let you go. And one of them is, uh, what what has been the most difficult thing about building FatMap? (laughs) That's a good question.
0: You know, I suppose there's there's many, many different problems we had to solve from finding data to building rendering engines uh, to learning how to deal with like massive quantities of data or data in different standards or uh, understanding what features certain users wanted to need to uh, building a business model. uh, the single hardest thing was actually synthesizing all of those many, many moving parts, particularly in such a way that, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in all of them. And so sometimes like, or, or, or whether rather, than, rather than sometimes, I say almost always things don't move quite as fast as you want them to. Like it might be, uh, it might take a long time to get access to a certain piece of data or the development on a certain thing might take longer than you want. And the, the trick is actually making sure that just, being an issue in one part of the chain doesn't actually create like uh, too big a knock on effect. And particularly when thinking about like the financial resources we had to build, we were trying to solve so many problems at once. It was very possible that just like one thing uh, would then slow down the whole chain. But then, you know, we, we, we obviously haven't had timelines to keep to uh, with, with particularly with regards to our financial resources. So yeah solving all of the uncertainty in the many moving parts has been the biggest challenge and and probably remains the biggest challenge
1: so the re- one of the reasons you started FatMap, that was because there was no platform in this space before no one was solving these problems in an outdoor setting but in the in the urban environment in the built environment we have google maps and we've got a number of other big players solving these problems can you guys look over and see what they're doing and sort of translate that one to at least the new functionality they're coming with for example and translate that one-to-one in the outdoor environment would, would that make sense is there any sort of inspiration you can get from them or are we talking about completely different communities that, that we're trying to serve
0: you can draw some parallels. So, for example, of course, Google uh, will have traffic information and transport information as real-time data. We have things like snow cover, uh, whether the lifts are running, weather data, etc. So there are parallels. You know, We can learn a lot from those platforms in some of the ways that they, they handle geodata, and, 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 and we have done. Uh, I think maps tend to be very specific so you know they tend to be about solving a particular problem and so we we spend most of our time looking at how we solve problems for 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 people i think one of the other challenges actually that's kind of interesting that we had to overcome was was around access to data and the cost of it you know typically geographical data is very expensive and has been consumed like is a is consumed by people, bought by people in a very low in very localized context. So particularly, I mean, you you touched on the world of GIS previously, and people would typically buy very good data for a very small area in order to do some processing. Um, so we did that when we put, built our first product for for a handful of resorts in Europe. But then when we wanted global coverage, we had a real challenge in that we wanted that very high quality data that was super super accurate at a local level, but we wanted it for the whole world and the cost of that was just was just not not something that a small company could um could afford i think a lot of the existing major global platforms by google apple here uh and 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 bing as well you know they had resources uh, because they were building into like uh, these huge consumer markets, and they were big technology companies that had other forms of monetization that were driving them, so we we had to think about how could we get data that was super accurate, very high resolution for the whole world um, without needing to spend essentially between three and five hundred million dollars. And the way we ended up doing that was um, talking to some of these guys and um, taking a leaf out of Spotify's book. So to, to, to power, one of the parallels we, we drew was um, what Spotify did for the music industry, which is to say put all of the content into the platform and build a royalty model where uh, effectively you know, the, the rights owners get a share of the revenue based on how much the data is used, how many plays a song gets. We built exactly the same thing for the... Geospatial industry, so we have a whole like many providers now from you know Digital Globe, Intermap, and they're the people that we really built the model with, and they put all of their global data into our platform. And uh, based on how utilised it is and how much of their data users access, uh, we share royalties back from from a business model with them.
1: That seems like a very clever approach. The idea of having to cough up you know five hundred million dollars right at the start of a project seems a little bit overwhelming. Hey, but we're, While we're talking about data, uh, we talked a little bit before about user-generated content. So the people are uploading tracks and uh, we talked a little bit about they've got these mobile devices with them in the, in the field now, in the outdoors. So the future of recording or the possibilities for recording more data, it's going to increase with, with time and with technology. Could you imagine a time where FatMap can use those, that user-generated content as data, as different layers in the system? No, I'm thinking specifically about okay, under these weather conditions on this route, it, it takes this much time to reach the top. Is that something that, that could be integrated into the, the system at some stage?
0: Yeah, I think the, the, the com- completely. And I think when you start to think about these things, you know, in many ways, the sky's the limit. And essentially what we're doing from a content perspective is building the information graph for the non outdoor world. So that's combining, um, activity data. So the things you talk about like hiking routes or whatever with, uh, of the underlying reference model of the world, but also the information about who does it when the, the real time data that we had about the world, so what the weather is like, et cetera, and then how long it took when they did it, et cetera. And so, you know, with the advances that the world is having in machine learning uh, across all industries, you know, we we can use those advantages and, and leverage them to essentially give more insight, make adventures easier and safer from the knowledge that's inherently in that data.
1: Misha, I really want to thank you for taking the time to do this interview with me today. I really enjoyed hearing about what you're up to, but before we say goodbye, could you tell the listeners where they could go to follow along with FatMap or maybe even try it for themselves?
0: yeah um, so I mean it's very simple you can go to fanup.com or you can download the mobile app and as you say you can uh, create your account and you can um, start discovering planning and living adventures and so yeah I hope hope to see you on that
1: excellent thanks so much for your time really appreciate
0: it thank you so much for having me on it was was really a pleasure
1: and that's it for another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast my name is Daniel and today I'd just like to apologise for that little bit of crackling towards the end of the interview it was something in the audio that I just couldn't get rid of so sorry about that but i'll be back next week with a new episode please tune in then as always if you have any questions or comments please feel free to reach out to me on social media and if you have a friend that you think might enjoy these episodes please share it with them i'd really appreciate it talk to you next week bye